The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. We begin with developments in the Mideast. The U.S. military launched strikes on three installations in Iraq over the weekend, targeting what it says is a terrorist group backed by Iran. Washington's accusing the group of engaging in a series of attacks that injured American personnel. Late Monday, U.S. Central Command released a statement saying the airstrikes appeared to kill a number of Hezbollah militants, and Iraq says a member of its armed forces was also killed. Meanwhile, Iran saying an Israeli airstrike in Syria killed a senior commander of its Revolutionary Guard, and Iran's president promising Israel will pay a price for the action. The Lebanese militant group Hezbollah is calling the strike an assassination that crosses a line. Well, in Israel, John, pressure is growing on Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to shift his nation's approach in its war with Hamas. In an op-ed published in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, Netanyahu said in order to achieve peace, Hamas must be destroyed and Palestinian society must be de-radicalized. It comes on the heels of the Biden administration continuing to back Israel's right to defend itself, but is calling on Israel to scale back large attacks and engage in more precise operations to reduce the toll on Palestinian civilians. Allies of Israel on Capitol Hill, like South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, says he blames civilian deaths on Hamas. Israel is trying to mitigate casualties. We need more humanitarian aid as long as it doesn't go into the hand of, hands of Hamas. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham was speaking on ABC's This Week. And the Hamas-run health ministry says more than 20,000 people have been killed in Gaza since the war started in response to the October 7th terror attack in Israel. Atlantic Council senior fellow Carmel Abit tells Bloomberg the pressure is also growing on the Biden administration to encourage Israel to change its policy. The atrocities as we've seen them in Gaza are just agonizing. And with that, public opinion in the United States and around the world is shifting and pressure on Israel is growing to, if not entirely end the war through a permanent ceasefire, to at least pursue a temporary ceasefire and to move to the next phase of this war. Carmel Arbit with the Atlantic Council was speaking with our Kaylee Lines on Bloomberg's Balance of Power. You can hear the full analysis on the Balance of Power podcast available wherever you download your podcasts. Well, back here in the U.S., John, pressure continues to mount on universities following testimony from earlier this month in which the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and the University of Pennsylvania struggled to respond to questioning about how calling for the genocide of Jews violates school policy. In the wake of calls for the resignation of Harvard's president, Claudine Gay, a growing number of faculty members are turning their focus to the other 11 members of the powerful governing board that runs a school. Some faculty are calling for members of the Harvard Corporation the university's board to resign or apologize. One professor even floated an idea to the governor of Massachusetts, a new school governance structure that would give lawmakers the chance to appoint a board member to represent the public interest. 
And we're also following, Karen, the geopolitical developments in Russia's war with Ukraine. Russia says a warship at an eastern Crimean port had been damaged in a Ukrainian missile strike. And Ukraine wasn't just engaging in naval attacks. The New York Times reported this weekend that the Ukrainian military claiming it shot down five Russian fighter jets in three days. One of the biggest weekly losses for the Russian Air Force since that war began. And John, the New York Times is also reporting Russia President Vladimir Putin could be thinking about a ceasefire. In a recent address to his generals, he said Ukraine was so beleaguered that Russia's invading troops were doing what we want, quote, and unquote. But behind the scenes, sources tell the Times Putin's signaled through intermediaries since at least September that he's open to a ceasefire that would freeze fighting along current lines. And turning to politics here in the States, former President Trump says he has absolute immunity having served as a former president. Trump telling a federal appeals panel that he should be granted immunity from prosecution with regard to his efforts to overturn the 2020 election because he was acting within the bounds of his official duties when he took the actions. The appeals panel has said it will hear the arguments January 8th. Let's go to markets now. John Wall Street's returning to a holiday-shortened trading week, and Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet joins us with a preview. After eight weeks of gains for the S&P 500 index, there are questions as to whether the holiday cheer will continue into 2024. Sarah Hunt is chief market strategist at Alpine Woods Capital Investments. I think that the biggest problems we're going to see next year are going to be around whether or not earnings and growth can really increase to the extent that the market is expecting it to. Because if it can't, we're priced really well. We had a lot of multiple expansion this year and not a lot of earnings growth. We're pricing that in for next year. There are no schedules. S&P 500 earnings this week. Bank earnings with the likes of J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo kick off January 12th. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. All right, thanks, Charlie. In corporate news this morning, sources tell Bloomberg OpenAI's in early discussions to raise a fresh round of funding at a valuation at or above $100 billion. And Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini joins us with that story. Sources say investors potentially involved in the fundraising round have already been included in preliminary discussions, and if the funding round happens as planned, the creator of ChatGPT would be the second most valuable startup in the U.S., behind only Elon Musk's SpaceX. Sources also say OpenAI has held discussions to raise funding for a new chip venture with Abu Dhabi-based G42 and has discussed raising up to $10 billion for that. It's unclear whether the chips venture and the wider possible company funding efforts we're now hearing about are related. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Denise, thanks. Elsewhere on the corporate front, the Seoul Economic Daily is reporting Samsung has delayed mass production plans at its new chip plant in Texas. Sources tell the South Korean newspaper mass production would begin in 2025. Samsung previously said the factory would start production in the second half of 2024. It's another blow to the Biden administration's ambition to increase domestic semiconductor supplies. All right, thanks, Karen. And time now for a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Scott Carr. Scott, good morning. Thanks, John. Good morning. Following a weekend of reportedly intense fighting between Israel and Hamas, particularly in northern Gaza, where Israeli forces say now they've largely taken control, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu paid a visit to IDF troops in the region Monday. An estimated 70 people were said to have been killed in one Israeli strike in central 
central Gaza. The Israeli military says 15 of its troops lost their lives over the weekend. Federal officials are now calling for the opioid reversal drug naloxone to be stocked in all government buildings. Recently, the Department of Health and Human Services has proposed all federal buildings should be stocked with the drug alongside automated external defibrillators. It marks the first change in federal building safety guidelines in nearly 15 years. The U.S. now has new plans in place to target banks that facilitate payments for Russia's military-industrial complex. Bloomberg's Amy Morris has more from Washington. President Biden is amending two executive orders that will, for the first time, allow the U.S. to impose so-called secondary sanctions over the Ukraine war. Senior U.S. officials tell Bloomberg that means banks could face severe financial penalties for doing business with firms already sanctioned, whether they know it or not. While many international banks no longer do business directly with Russia, they can act as correspondent banks for financial institutions in third countries that still do. In Washington, Amy Morris, Bloomberg Radio. A wearable AI device developed by former Apple employees is set to ship in March. It's called the Humane AI Pin, and for about $700, you can attach it to your clothes and interact with it. Former Apple worker Iman Chaudhry is part of the team behind the creation of the new AI device. There are no wake words, so it's not always listening or always recording. In fact, it doesn't do anything until you engage with it, and your engagement comes through your touch, voice, gesture, or the laser ink display. The PIN's projector is designed to be able to send information onto a user's hand. We were able to pack a lot of technology into something really small. It runs a Qualcomm Snapdragon chipset, and that means it's really fast which is crucial for AI. A recent demo of the pin shows it doing everything from real-time language translation to making calls and playing music. Global News 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now. I'm Scott Carr, and this is Bloomberg. John. All right, thanks, Scott. That brings us to 511 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And for that, here's Dan Schwartzman. It was a Christmas Day triple header in the NFL and a Christmas miracle in Kansas City as the Las Vegas Raiders knock off the Chiefs 20-14. Zamir White, 22 carries, 145 yards on the ground for Vegas. Chiefs fall to 9-6 on the season. Raiders are now 7-8. Meanwhile, it was ugly in Philadelphia despite the Giants making it close in the second half. Swift makes the move. That's courtesy of Fox Sports. Giants lose at Philly 33-25 as the Eagles are now 11-4. Giants fall to 5-10 on the season. Afterwards, head coach Brian Dable didn't have much to say. Give them credit. Came down to the, you know, to the end and just quite didn't get it done. That's courtesy of Giants.com. And in the finale, the Ravens now 12-3, winners of five in a row. They dominate the 49ers in San Francisco 33-19 as Brock Purdy throws four interceptions for the 49ers. Five games on the NBA docket. Knicks surprised the Bucks in New York 129-122. Jalen Brunson, 38 points. Nuggets knocking off the Warriors 120-114. Celtics a road win over the Lakers in Los Angeles 126-115. Kristaps Porzingis, 28 points, 11 rebounds, while the 76ers fall to the Heat in Miami 119 to 113, and Luka Doncic with 50 points for the Mavericks in a 128 to 114 win on the road in Phoenix. That's your Bloomberg Sports Update. I'm Dan Schwartzman. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street. 
the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com, this is Bloomberg Daybreak. And good morning, I'm John Tucker. As you just heard, the U.S. military launching Christmas Day strikes on three installations in Iraq, targeting what it said is a terrorist group backed by Iran. Here to discuss that and what else is going on in the Middle East. Joining us from Dubai this morning, Bloomberg News' Henry Meyer. Henry, thanks for being with us this morning. What do we know about this U.S. airstrike and the, the reasons behind it? Uh, good morning, John. Yes, I mean, what we understand um, <clears throat> is that the U.S. military uh, attacked three installations in Iraq uh, yesterday um, t targeting uh, this group, which is linked to Iran. And this was in retaliation um, for uh, an attack on a, on a U.S. Uh, base in Iraq uh, that wounded three servicemen. Um, so, you know, I think that this is a pattern which we've seen in the past. Uh, obviously, there have been you know, a series of attacks in recent weeks on U.S. military installations in both Syria and Iraq, uh, which have met with uh, with American uh, retaliation. But, you know, what's interesting is that this happened um, on the um, uh, at the same time as Israel is reported to have um, uh, carried out an airstrike in Syria, which assassinated the top uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guards uh, military advisor in the country. So, you know, we see a sort of certain escalation, um, which is taking place, obviously, in the context of the war in, in Gaza. And this is sort of fanning concerns uh, that there will be other fronts that will open up uh, in this war. Yeah, it, with respect to the U.S. Uh, Christmas Day strikes in Iraq, is that directly tied to the war between Israel and Hamas? It's not directly tied, uh, but what we've seen since October 7th, uh, which is when you know the war began uh, in Gaza, uh, that the number of uh, attacks have increased on U.S. bases uh, in the region. So definitely um, there has been you know a link between the two. Um, so you know I think obviously uh, what what happened in in Syria I would argue is much more serious actually because we've seen this pattern of attacks in Iraq and Syria on U.S. bases and with, you know, retaliation that has been going on for several weeks. Uh, but I would argue that the, you know, the is reported Israeli uh, operation to target this uh, senior Iranian commander in Syria, that could lead um, to a much bigger spiral on, of, you know, confrontation. And I mean, the, uh, Iran has, has vowed um, to take revenge. Henry, the, the Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, he was out with an op-ed piece. Uh, in it, he delivers what he says are prerequisites for peace with Hamas. What are, what are those conditions? 
Well, they're primarily what he says is the demilitarization uh, of Gaza um, and the, uh, uh, he said, the de-radicalization of Palestinian society. I mean, Israelis have been, um, you know, quite very critical of the Palestinian Authority. What they say has been the refusal to condemn the attacks of over October 7th um, on uh, southern Israel. Uh, so... You know, um, event, and then the final condition is the establishment of a, a buffer zone, uh, which would be a sort of security uh, cordon to prevent such attacks uh, taking place in the future. You know, what that tells you is that the uh, Israeli war goals are still very ambitious, uh, and you know they're not close to fulfilling them. And despite all the American pressure, uh, which has been increasing um, to at least scale back the um, uh, the, the operation, if not to end it in Gaza, we can see from uh, Netanyahu's uh, statement here that uh, they are, you know, they are determined to continue. Um, the Biden administration has pressed Israel to change the approach. Is there any sign that is going to change in just about 20 seconds? Uh, we don't know if that's going to happen. We know that there are talks that are going to take place this week in Washington um, with a key advisor of Netanyahu. They will be he will be discussing whether that can happen. But as I said, the signals coming from Israel uh, are still very much that they will continue at the current um, rate of offensive. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 99.1 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.